Okay, Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we love you. Still a few people out sick, so Father, we pray for healing for them right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for your grace over our family, Lord, and we thank you that um, your power to heal is greater than any sickness on this earth. So, Father, we just we pray for a manifestation of that in our brothers and sisters right now. I pray something even changes for those that are watching online, that there is something significant happening in them right now. And, Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yesterday, I had the privilege of going to the uh, Revival Nights. I don't know if y'all have been to the uh, Revival Nights that we're doing at Hidden House, but it's been great. Jimmy's been leading it. Jimmy was up here laying down for during worship. Um, he, uh, <laughs> I think he was like smiling the whole time too, so I think he was just really blessed in the presence. But he leads the... Um, these OC Revival Nights at Hidden House, and yesterday was great. Who was there yesterday? Anybody in here? Oh, there's a amount of us. It was packed, which is kind of crazy because there might have been about this many people in there yesterday, which means that it's almost like another church service, but not really. We don't, it, we don't make it like a church service. We just, it's in a coffee shop. It's hard to really feel like that. We're just vibing, and, um, and yesterday was really good. We had Ryan Ellis there, and when we were worshiping, I just felt the Lord so heavy, you know? Do you guys love it when you just feel the presence of God and you're just like, oh, I really needed this. And then you don't want to do anything else, but I had to preach. <laughs> like, it's great to feel like that when I don't have to do anything. Because then someone comes up and talks and I can either zone out. Or I can engage more. And I feel like... I feel like it's really easy, but sometimes when I feel the presence of God, I get really weak in the knees, and it's, it's kind of hard for me. But the good thing is that yesterday I was supposed to get up and speak, and then Jimmy just kept going and going, and he was just ripping it. He was just ripping the gospel, but we had a good time. And uh, I did speak, and it's funny because, you, you know, if you're going to preach, you don't, it'd be weird to make multiple messages throughout the week, but there's really just one thing on my heart. So for the few that were there yesterday, you're going to get a good chunk again to soak into your heart in Jesus' name. But we're going to go through the Bible in Psalm 133, how blessed and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. So if you can go there, and before we get into it, I am going to talk about the fast. Uh, Jesse wanted to to, if you don't know who Jesse is, he's a other pastor. There's also Pastor Penny. Both of them are gone today. Um, Jesse's doing a wedding up in Santa Barbara. Um, but he wanted to do a fast, and he wanted to do a 21-day fast and call the church to it. And he asked me, he said, Michael, what do you think about this? I said, let's go. You know, that sounds fun. And then he gave me the pleasure of telling you all about it. And, um, and we're going to start tomorrow. So let me... Uh, let me tell you some stories first, because the moment you say fasting, I bet you like 50% of you are like, oh, no, fasting. I like to eat. Um, but I, I want to I tell you some stories. I, I used to fast a lot in college, and 
<laughs> I'm a little more balanced today. Um, you know, the Bible says man does not live off bread alone, right? But on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, if you didn't eat bread for your whole life, you'll die, okay? So bread alone, you still need bread. But the good thing about fasting is that you realize the bread is not the, the thing that sustains you, but every word of God. There is spiritual life in a practice like fasting. There is a receiving. Fasting is not about not eating. It's about feasting spiritually. It's not about not eating food. It's about feasting spiritually upon Jesus and telling him, I want more of you. That's really all it is. It doesn't make him love you anymore. He can't love you anymore. He is love, so he's got the fullness of love for you already. Um, But it puts us in a place to receive. It puts us in a place of going to a dinner table, per se, and eating a meal. Food was always there. The one who wanted to provide it for you was always there. But it's one way, one way, in which we can come to the table and eat a little bit with him, the bread of life. Does that make sense? Um, One time I was thinking of some stories, and... We were doing, I was doing a long fast, and I was on day 33, I remember, and I was in the mountains, and I was praying about my wife, Melissa. If you don't know Melissa, you should get to know her. And at the time, we were just, actually, we weren't dating at all. We had taken a break, but I loved her. She was great. And I was praying to God, asking God, you know, should I move forward with this, and would you bless this, et cetera? Have you guys ever prayed a lot and you just don't hear anything, so you just keep praying? Well, I'm kind of headstrong. One of my gifts is um, competition. That's a gift. Um, (laughs) Some of my friends in the back kind of shaking their heads. Um, It's a gift. And uh, at least StrengthsFinder says it's a gift. So anyways... I really wanted to hear from the Lord, and I was, I was fasting. I was in Big Bear. And this doesn't always happen, you know, when you fast, but this time it did. I had a wild encounter where it wasn't like I heard the voice of God in my head. It was like God has just entered the room, and I'm talking to him face to face, okay? And I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean that extremely literally. I had a moment with this. And I heard the Lord say, I actually was crying out to him. And I heard the Lord say, go for it about Melissa. And I asked God, I said, God, how am I going to do this? Right, right when it switched. I could have asked him all kinds of questions. I'm kind of slow. And I should have known, maybe I had, should have had a list or something for those moments where you could just ask him all the things you want to ask him. But I, I don't know. I just, I just said, how am I going to do this? As in, how am I going to marry a woman and go into ministry? And I know for a fact I ain't going to make a living, especially at first. And I was like thinking, I don't know how I'm going to provide for a family. And I heard the Lord say to me, I will give you the first year of rent for free, is what I heard. And I said, wow, that's really interesting. Okay, God, if you say it, that's fine. And I kept doing my fast. I finished on day 40, and a week after that, I started another fast. I told you I was a little more rambunctious, and I'm on a weekend, and my dad, my dad hated it. 
when I'd fast because I'd get really skinny, and um, he was nervous about it. And so I'm fasting, and as I get into the shower, I hear the voice of the Lord say to me, go home to your parents and tell them about you and Melissa. And I thought, all right. So I got out of the shower, I got dressed, and I drove from San Diego to Orange County to talk to my parents. And as I'm driving in the car, you guys ever pray, but you don't expect an answer. I've done this so many times. I'm praying, I'm not expecting an answer, and usually I'm not hearing anything when I'm praying. I'm just venting or talking or just letting God know my thoughts, even though he knows them already. I like to let him know. So we're driving in the, I'm driving in the car, and I say to God, God, how am I going to tell my parents about, you know, my desire for Melissa and, and all this stuff if I'm fasting right now? My da- it's going to start off with, my dad being very upset that I'm fasting. So I said to God, God, how am I going to do this? And I heard a voice in my car speak to me as I was driving. And he said, Micah, your dad's going to ask you to eat sushi with him and your mom. Go eat sushi with them and tell them there. That's what I heard. And I'm driving in a car and I heard a voice say this to me. And I said, oh my gosh. I go, Okay. I don't know if you ever experienced this. Some of you are like, I don't know about this. Listen, Kevin, uh, who was doing our audio before, he's not here this week. He was with me, and we heard the audible voice of God. And then it happened again, and another brother was with us, and God spoke. Let me tell you, when you hear the audible voice of God, you're terrified. My, my arms were like, well, you know, the Harris. You know, I don't have that many. <laughs> Some of you think I'm probably a grizzly under this right now. You know, my Harris. Uh, we're looking around, who's talking, you know, we're all by ourselves, it was scary. Anyways, so I drive home, and and I sit on the couch, my, my father comes home, he, and he comes to the stairway, and he says, hey, Micah, I said, hey, Dad, and he says, how would you like to go eat sushi with your mom and me? And I said, that would be great, which for the few people that aren't into sushi, it sounds like God is, you know, he sounds like he's cool with it. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to, okay, whatever, I'm going to move on quickly. Um, I said to a vegan and a, uh, it was a vegan, and what was the other one? Not, yeah, pa- no, what's it called, paleo? Yeah, paleo. Anyways, I go to the back of the church once, and there's a guy who does paleo and a guy who does vegan stuff. And I said, I said, what would you do if Jesus came to you with bread and wine? And the one goes, I'll give him my fish. And the other one says, I'll give him my bread. And I said, that's, that's good. That's good. Anyways, so I go and I said to my dad, I said, yeah, let's, let's do that. So we sit down at the, um, at the table. And he uh, just looks at me. And I'm thinking, how am I going to talk about this? This is so weird, you know. And, but I had a lot of sushi in front of me, so I didn't have to think about it too much. And my dad says, so how are you and Melissa? I, say, I said, well, we're not together right now. Uh... We're just chilling. That's how I start it. And then he's, oh, okay. So they're sitting there. And then he looks at me and goes, so when do you want to marry her? And I go, this is getting really weird. It's like my dad was getting possessed by God, okay? He goes, so when do you want to marry her? I go, oh, I was thinking about this summer coming up. And he goes, oh. You know, he's chilling there for a second. Then he stops and he looks at me and he points his finger and he says, I'll give you the first year of rent for free. And then he quotes Scott. And I go, I go, 
I go, what? I go, I go, wow. Hey, Dad, I was like, I was actually just fasting. <laughs> and I told him, I was like, I was fasting, and, 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 I, and uh, I had this encounter with God. And, he, and I was like, God, how am I going to do this? Like, I ain't going to make money. And he says, I heard God speak to me and say, I'll give you the first year of rent for free. And then God told me to come and talk to you. And I was like, Dad, you hate it when I'm fasting. And I said to God, God, how am I going to tell him? He's just going to be so upset about me not eating. And God said that you'd ask me to eat sushi with you. And then I didn't want to talk about it here. And I even said we're not even together. And yet you still said, well, you know what? And then you quoted God and said you'll give me the first year of rent for free. Isn't that so cool? And I remember them sitting there at the sushi restaurant. And I was like, ah, that's amazing. I'm like, I don't even know. Oh, my goodness. Um, this guy named Bob Hazlitt said, uh, we, we were meeting, we met in our house, our old church, for a little while. We made our garage into a sanctuary, and then people would come on Saturday nights. And, um, and then we met at our friend Andrew's house for a while. And then we met in a park. And then we moved into the building that we were in until covid and then we were no longer ever allowed in there because of COVID. And then we joined all of you, and we are having a great time. But backtrack. This guy named Bob Hazlitt, is, there's this conference, and he says to me, my wife was pregnant with our second child at the time. And he says, the birth of your child is going to be a sign, and God's going to give you a building. Right? And Piper was to be born in spring. He says, by spring of this coming year, God will give you a building. And, and, he, and then he looks at me like a normal prophet would do, with those eyes, and he says, go to the hills. <laughs> and I thought, what the heck? Go to the hills? What does that mean? Anyways, I, he's a really good guy, and he's actually really down to earth. He's cool. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm at our friend Andrew's house, and that, and I'd been, we all had been fasting for a good while and praying about what God was do, and my dad knew I was fasting as well, and um, and then I just kept thinking, go to the hills, and I thought, you know what, next week, we're not going to meet in the house anymore, we're going to go meet in a park in the hills, and then we go and we do, and that night, I have a dream, we're out of the park, out of the grass, a building arose out of it, well, the next day or so, I go, and I have dinner, my dad invites me to dinner with this guy who runs this ministry, and he says, so Micah, how's, and this ministry is legit. I mean, they're very up into missions, and people are literally dying for Jesus. Okay? Literally dying for Jesus. And we're sitting at the table, and this guy who runs this ministry, where he had just actually had some friends martyred, is looking at me, and he says, how's your church? I go, we're great, you know, we're just meeting in a park around the corner up in the hills. And he says, I have a building for you. And my dad was sitting next to me, and he knew we were, like, fasting for it and stuff. He's like, my God. As if I didn't know, you know. He's like, you've been fasting for this. You guys been fasting, you know. He's so excited. I was like, I know, this is crazy. You know, dad? And then uh, he says, the guy, the guy says, I'll give you my keys 
He says, after this, we'll go look at the building. He says, I'll give you the keys. He says, you can use it tomorrow. The next day was Sunday. He goes, you can use it tomorrow if you want to. I go, well, that's pretty quick. I don't know if we'd be able to. I'd have to tell everybody, and I don't think that's going to happen. But come to find out that that Sunday, he offers us the key, right? That Sunday was the last Sunday of spring, the very last Sunday of spring. It was like the last day. And the word had been spoken over us that by spring, God would give us a building. Isn't God faithful? Last moment, but that doesn't mean he's not faithful. Sometimes a steak needs some time to cook, you know? We're so fast food in our culture. You haven't answered me yet, Jesus. But sometimes in the process, there's something even greater for our hearts, right? So there's been a lot of really fun things that I've personally seen. Um, in fasting, and sometimes it's not a crazy encounter. Sometimes it's just life. Um, so Jesse wanted to do a 21-day fast. We're going to start tomorrow, and then that means that the Saturday in a couple weeks, we'd be done after church. So you can go eat after church and have a great old time. Um, but some people were going to fast basically just during the day. They were going to eat before 6 a.m. and after 6 p.m. Some people are just not going to eat meat, <laughs> which for some people in here, that's just your life. <laughs> that's really funny. Oh, that's funny. Um, and some people might do more. But I want to encourage all of you, if you're fasted, do something. It's really fun. It's really actually really healthy for you if you do it in a healthy way and balance, et cetera. So I want to encourage all of you to participate in some way. Um, there is a spiritual blessing in it. Jesus actually fasted. I don't know if you know that, but he did. He had times where he did long fast, but he also had a daily lifestyle of fasting where they came up to him and they said, Jesus, we have food for you. And he goes, and he hadn't eaten. There was no food for him. And he goes, I got food you don't know of. And he had been eating something else. Yeah? And then he says, there's coming a day when the bridegroom leaves Jesus going up into heaven, and you will fast. There, there's, there's a hunger that gets created when you don't eat. Is that obvious? But to turn that hunger, rather than being hangry, to turn that hunger into Jesus, I really do want more of you. I really want to encounter you more. Um, I want to see you move more in my family, in our church, in my work, in my dreams, and the things that you have given to me in my heart. Lord, I want to see you in all of it. I want you to be the apple of my eye. Yeah? So I want, that's my encouragement for you. I'm not a big hype man, but that's my hype, okay? Um, you try hyping fasting. All right. I'm sure you will do better than me. Um, I am not a big high man, but I do sincerely believe it's a blessing. And I pray that, you know, you'd all do it. And, and this, it's funny, I was talking to Jesse, and he's like, <sighs> he made a comment like, we should really make it about food, though, you know. And, um, and I agree. So what this isn't, you know, I'm not watching TV, although go ahead and do that. I'm really encouraging you don't eat something. If you want to be like Daniel and just don't eat any taste, tastingly good thing, I don't know what that means. 
Because even rice is good. I like rice. But um, maybe you just eat beans every day. Oh, Lord, that would be horrible. <laughs> so fun. So we're going to start tomorrow. Any questions? <laughs> no? Some of you are like, did he just say any questions? He did. How do you do it happy? Well, the more you fast, the more you will do it happy. Um, yeah. In fact, it actually trains you to not be ruled by your flesh. And your flesh, when your flesh rules you, it keeps you from being happy. And the fruit of fasting is, it might not look peppy. It might not look giggly. But it's happy. <laughs> okay. That's my fasting rant. Psalm 133. <clears throat> How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, as if it were falling on Mount Zion. From there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. What a fun passage. Congrats, you just read one whole psalm. <clears throat> How blessed it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Last week, um, I was right there, and and this week, I couldn't get out of my mind, and I haven't really been able to, in times of worship, this encounter where I see my head on Jesus' chest, and I saw a giant beard of my head. This was last week. Giant beard above my head. And all this oil on the beard dripping all over me. And my head's on the chest. And I was here last week thinking about this. Anybody ever just get random thoughts like that? <laughs> I do. I was in there, I was like, wow, this is, it felt good. I thought it was great. And then all of a sudden that scripture came to me. It's like oil coming down Aaron's beard. And I was thinking, wow, this is so beautiful. You know, if I got to slow it down because sometimes I just want to jump to the end. If you don't know what oil represents, it represents his spirit. It represents what the Bible calls the anointing, which is him smearing, rubbing in. That's what anointing means. He's taking oil and rubbing it into you. It's the rubbing in of his presence and pouring upon your life. It's an empowerment for a reason and a season and a calling to walk as Jesus walked. Yes? His anointing breaks every yoke. Say it breaks every yoke. His anointing breaks every yoke. And I couldn't get out of my mind that the best place to catch the anointing is on the chest of Christ. 
because the oil runs down his beard. Isn't that fun? And I just was thinking about this this whole past week. The best place to catch the anointing and to be saturated in it and live a lifestyle of it. God may have blessed you and anointed you, you're anointed, but we're continually filled with the Spirit. The best place to be filled with the Spirit is with your head on the chest of Christ. The Bible says in Proverbs 6 that if a man puts fire to his chest, surely his clothes will catch on fire. If you're pressed against the all-consuming one, surely everything about you is going to catch on fire. Are we following? Yeah? In this passage, it says how blessed it is when brothers dwell together in unity. That blessing is first and foremost you and God, one-on-one. He is the elder brother, God who became a man, the perfect man, and suffered a payment that he didn't deserve so that his victory over it could be your victory forever. He who knew no sin became a curse so that you might become blessed. He who knew no sin died as sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in him. He's our elder brother. How blessed it is when brothers dwell together in unity. The first brotherhood is you with Christ and in Christ with God. (laughs) This is the union that God ultimately desires. It doesn't stop there. It includes all of us. Your walk with God is obviously not you completely by yourself. You got God. It's a walk with God. But you're a part of a body. You're a part of a community. You are a blessing to the person next to you because you're different. And that difference sometimes people see as different and weird. But your difference is the blessing. And your uniqueness is the blessing. And in Christ, it gets filled with love. Who you are and how you live and how you act is different than your neighbor. And when you're filled with the love of God, it becomes a blessing for them. Yes, if you're in your flesh, those differences might be really weird. But when you're filled with the Spirit, the uniqueness of who you are is a gift to others. And when we're living in union and unity together, it looks like us bearing each other's burdens. It looks like us walking life out together. But that is going to be really hard to do if you're not in union with the Father, with God Almighty in Christ. If, in the metaphor, your head isn't on his chest. Yes? Our heads have to be on the chest of Christ. That might look like a life of worship. It might look like a life of preaching. It might look like a life of loving your neighbor as Christ so loved you. It looks like you talking to God. It looks like you cracking open your Bible and doing a Bible in a year thing. Or a Bible in 30 days if you're super hyped. That's 40 chapters a day, by the way. You put, you t- you put the, uh, what's that Bible app called? You put the Bible app on reading two times fast. Yeah? You get through it. That's crazy. 
You don't even know half the stuff being said. When it's done, you go, whoa, your hair is flying back behind you. I <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Uh, this is putting your head on the chest of Christ. Is when we're giving our life over to him, even thinking about him. Chuck, last week, Pastor Chuck Perry, if you were here, he said God's given you an intellect so you can meditate on him. Do you, does anybody remember that? It's so true. The Bible says to meditate upon him over and over again. You are so blessed to meditate. As humans, we meditate on so much weird stuff all the time. Any other humans in the room? We meditate on all kinds of things. We could even be like Martha and meditating on our worries of all the things that we've got to get done, of all the things that we haven't done, of all the things that we want to do and we want to get, and we meditate. It's important for us to meditate upon his word, to meditate upon him, to meditate upon the king of the universe who holds you in the palm of his hand, who knows your life because he created you, every intricate part of you, and he knows what's going to give you the most abundant life you could ever have. And we've got to learn to turn the gaze of our mind upon him. That is putting your head upon his chest. Yeah? Okay. In this passage, let's get a little biblical here. In this passage, there's two metaphors. The first one is about a guy named Aaron and his beard and oil, which is an interesting picture. And the second one is about the dew of Hermon, which is weirder, coming on another mountain called Zion. If you don't know who Aaron was, that was Moses' brother, and he was the high priest. He is symbolic of Jesus. Yes? Jesus, the high priest. Not according to the order of the Levites, but one that's forever with no beginning. He's the mediator between God and man. He's the one who brought one sacrifice for all time, for all people, in his own body. Suffering something that he did not pay for. He, by one sacrifice, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. This is our high priest. His name is Jesus. Aaron means strong one or victorious one. And that's who Jesus is. He was victorious through his work as the priest to make a mediation between God and us so that we could be, the Bible says, reconciled to God. This is the ministry that he's called us to, be reconciled to God. Reconciled means you're over here doing your thing, He's over here doing his thing, although he's looking at you going like this. Reconciled means hug it out. It means it means the enmity that was there is gone. And complete friendship and union is available for all of us with the living God. 
Jesus, the high priest. It says the oil is going down his beard, even upon his beard and dripping down onto his clothes. You're the body of Christ. The Bible says that the Lord is anointed, Jesus is anointed above his brethren. He's anointed above his brethren with the oil of gladness. Can we be people, and I was thinking about this yesterday, it's funny because we don't ever want to be selfish people, especially as Christians, we don't want to be selfish, you know, we recognize Jesus died for us, that doesn't sound fun to be selfish, although sometimes our flesh might, hey, I want to be selfish, but we don't want to be selfish people, and Christ looks at us, and we're the apple of his eye. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for each of us. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. You're the apple of his eye. The question is, is he the apple of yours? Through him, see the world. Through him, see your dreams. Through him, see the homes that you want and the things that you long for. Through him, see it all. Just because he's the apple of your eye doesn't mean you don't have other desires. Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Right? But he needs to be the apple of our eye. He needs to be the one thing. The Bible says it, Jesus says it like doves. I don't know if you know this, but doves don't look around. You're not going to like fly and see it. or You're not going to stand there and watch a dove fly and all of a sudden just gazing at you like this. Ain't gonna happen. It just—that'd <laughs> be really weird. I shot a dove once when I was hunting. I felt so bad. I never wanted to do it again. But the, so I'd rather go pheasant hunting. They're bigger. And just kidding. I felt just as bad when I went pheasant hunting. The only thing that got me through it was like I'm giving food to my family. <laughs> when I held the bird, I was like, I just want to pray for it to be healed. Anyways, those eyes look straight and they don't look to and fro. They got one gaze. Blessed, when your eyes are filled with light, you'll be filled with light. But if your eyes are filled with darkness, how great is that darkness? The only way your eye gets filled with light is if you look at light. I.e. God. Jesus. Is he the apple of your eye? You might have had encounters with him in your past, and you might really love him deep down. But is he right now the apple of your eye? And if he's not, make him the apple of your eye, because life will get way better. It'll get better than it even is right now. Okay, we got to keep going. What time is it? Oh, 
Six. Oh my gosh, we're past time, guys. You didn't even get to hear about the Dew of Herman. You guys want to hear quickly about the Dew of Herman? Some of you are like, no. If you know, you could go, okay? <laughs> Herman means the sacred mountain. It's right next to Jerusalem. It's the highest peak. Some scholars think that this is where Jesus was transfigured. How fun is that? Right next to it, you have Zion. Zion was the city of David, which was right under where they were building a temple, the Jewish temple. It's called Jerusalem today. Okay? Mount Hermon is next to it. It's the higher peak. It says, like the dew coming from Mount Hermon upon Mount Zion, there you've commanded your blessing. What? Dew is water, but it's not from rain. It's, it's this wet moisture that just comes onto the plants and coats the plants. And it gives them life by giving them nourishment. It protects them, okay? And it cools them so that they don't get burnt out. Without the dew in a deserty place, you wither up and die. So the picture is you need the dew of heaven on you. But it's the high peak. We lift our eyes up to God. And Mount Zion is the place where we're spiritually coming unto to worship him, where we're coming to gaze upon him. And it's in that place that his dew comes upon your life so you don't burn out, so that you get refreshed and you get protected from the things to steal all the refreshing that you have in you. But that place of the dew is when you're next to the sacred mountain, symbolically. The Bible says we haven't come to a mountain like Moses where it's burning with fire. We've come unto the holy mountain with innumerable angels and all the saints. We get to come by the Lord into the holy of holies. Jesus has made a new and living way by the Spirit for us to come into the holy place. It's in that place that the dew of the sacred mountain of Jesus comes upon you to refresh you. It's when you come to the mountain in your heart to worship him and to gaze upon him. It's when you put your head upon his chest that the oil comes upon you. When you're laying there like John This is the last thing I want to say. We're going to go. 6.15. Here we go. John says this. John. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus kept loving, following them. This is the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper. John was a guy, his disciple, Jesus' disciple, who Peter mentions that Jesus kept loving this guy. How would it be good to be known? How cool to be known that Jesus, you're just the guy that Jesus keeps loving on. But Jesus didn't grab John and yank him into his chest. It says that John leaned against Jesus. Jesus has so much love for you, and he fulfills the expression of his love on the cross for you, yeah? 
but it gets really real when you live out what that payment paid for. Put your head on the chest of Christ. Lean against him so that he can keep loving on you. It's not like, I kind of want to love on these people, but I don't want to love on you. He's got a lot of love to love on all of us if we would just lean our head on his chest, yeah? Father, we just thank you. I thank you for today and for grace for running long. Lord, we love you so much. I pray that you would bless our community. I pray that you'd bless our family. I pray that we would grow in loving one another. Lord, everybody watching online, Father, or listening, God, we just thank you for them as well. I pray that you bless them.